You're listening to Read Between the Letting with Aaron Heath and Matt McInerney. It's September 18th, 2009. Today, our first episode of Season 2, we have David Airy. We'll be discussing identity design and the business of graphic design with him. And we'll touch on his book a little bit. We're glad to be back. Stay tuned for a great episode. of months now but we are glad to be back and uh, so we'll call this the beginning of season two since we took a little break and it's the fall and uh it's a whole and we've got david airy on the show today hi aaron hi matt how are you, how are you doing me? david thanks for coming on no it's a pleasure yeah absolutely well we're gonna start you know we're so happy to have you on and we're just gonna start with um kind of like we usually do if you could tell us a little bit about your history about your life and education and how you got to this point okay well I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm a, a Northern Irish designer. Uh, I'm, I'm living in Northern Ireland and for the past, for the past four years or so I've been self-employed and that, that came about by, I was, I was working in Scotland uh, for a, a cancer organization. I was responsible for their, for their print promotions and I decided to take a break. Um, I, I traveled, traveled around the world for a few months and when I came back, I, I went back to them and they hadn't filled in the they hadn't been able to fill the position that I left. So I asked them, um, "Do you want me to carry on working with you?" And I put the proposition, you know, how about how about I I freelance for you, basically. So they agreed, and they were my first main retainer client, which enabled me to to work on my self promotion. You know, I, I worked for them for three days a week as a contractor. And for the other two days and a bit of the weekend, I was able to you know, build my websites. And well, you mentioned education there, so I'll just I'll go back to frontier, the true <laughs> Irish fashion. And um, my my design education started when I was um, I was sixteen. I just left school and I started at college on an art and design course. And I, pro- I progressed through a couple of levels. So. I spent four years doing art and design with a focus on graphic design. And, and then I went on to university where I studied graphic communications management, which didn't have as much graphic design as I wanted it to. Uh, and most of the people on my course thought the same. And it, it, it was more tailored towards managing in the print industry. And now looking back, that's not such a bad thing because you know, I, manage, I manage myself, I manage my own business. But at the time, you know, I was I was hoping for more design because because what I've taught myself is is um, basically all you know. I, I'm basically self-taught in design. You know, when I was younger, I didn't have as much of an interest as I do now. Mm-hmm. So so if I could go back, I would have um, I would have changed a few things. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have spent so long in formal education. I think. See, that's not something that we hear too often. Why? Why do you think that is? Do you, is it because? Is it specifically because of your um, your degree more in graphic design, communications management? It could well be. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know what it's been like to study a, a degree that focuses solely on graphic design. That could have helped me immensely. Um, but what I hear from a lot of people who contact me is that they're they're a bit of, they're a bit disinterested in the courses that they're in and. Mm-hmm. They're not taught what they need to know whenever they go into the real world type type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think I think we've probably heard that too. I think Matt feels like that sometimes a little bit as well. Well, you know, we we both had um, big experiences working in the industry this summer, and it was 
it, I, I felt like I learned a lot more it, on the job than I did in school. But that's not to say that uh-huh. it wasn't valuable. The question, I guess, the question, I guess, is then, um, and this is for both of you guys. Do you feel that? I guess I always thought that this was something that was just ex- to be expected, and that kind of ranged from industry to industry. That you're always going to get more experience from real experience than you do in school. Um, so do you think that is to be expected or that schools are really actually lacking something that they need to step up their game? I think, I think they need to step up their game. I, I, I don't think that that should be expected by anyone going on to a course. I think that, I think that courses should be structured more around, around the business of design rather than, rather than just solely focusing on what you're creating because Good, good design comes about by a knowledge of everything around us. And my course was too focused on things that were unnecessary for me at this point in my career. Mm-hmm. So, so in that respect, I, I wasted a lot of time. But you think that personally, your your physical, you know, work experience has given you a lot more, a lot more um, insight into into the working world. And that's and has that just been? Has that helped working with clients, or do you think that creatively it's it's been a lot more prosperous too? I think both. Why is that? Because uh, well, the, the more the more designers know about not just design but their surroundings, how people interact with each other, and different industries, then the more they're able to take all that knowledge and use it as ammunition. You know, when they're like brainstorming, researching. Yeah. What are what are some influences that kind of put yeah. you in that direction? Like, it, since you're self-taught, um, you must have, you know, people you look up to, designers you look up to, are clearly good at at, at synthesizing the world around them into a solid design or a solid logo. Well, the the people that I look up to are, um, the people who are doing a similar thing, really, because I spend I spend more time on blogs than I would. Um, researching like uh, like past masters, mm-hmm. if, you, if you if you know what I mean, you know, and uh, design blogs like, well, design design observer for one, yes. or there's more tailored ones like Swiss Miss or or design notes with uh, Michael Surtees. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you you're kind of inspired by this this new contemporary discourse that we have almost. Uh huh. Yeah, I think um, the way the way blogs have been growing over the past uh, you know, five years or so. Well, if, if it wasn't if it wasn't for my blog, you know, we wouldn't be talking now. And and if it wasn't for my blog, I wouldn't be self-employed. Yeah. You know, because all, all all of my clients, well, the majority of them, are overseas. So I I don't meet them face to face. But we're gonna get back to that too about your clients because we do have a lot of questions when it comes to the business side of it. One other thing, touching on your history, is were you what got you interested in graphic design when you were you know when you were about sixteen or beforehand? Was it something that you were interested in growing up as a kid and 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 how? Well, the the what got me into it really was an interest in architecture and and the, well, I, I wanted to be an architect, but I think at that age when I found out that. I had to go through a seven-year degree course, and I decided against it. <laughs> so, you know, so I think the the time thing at that point in my life had a bearing on going into um, going into graphic design. Well, uh, another reason was when I was at school at the age of fifteen, 
that's when you do your uh, uh, an award called your GCSE in in the UK. And in order to get back into school for another two years to do to finish up, I needed a certain grade in the in the subjects that I was studying. And my school told me that I wasn't good enough to get back in. <laughs> so, so that that then forced me into the choice to go to a local college. And I liked the look of their art and design course. So that was another reason why, you know, I, I, I could have gone the architecture route had I got back into school, but I just wasn't good enough. Was it the math or, or was it thinking differently or? or... It was, um, it was a, it's, I was at the best school in Northern Ireland, pretty much um, in, in Belfast. And a lot of students go to that school from other schools at that stage. I see. So that they want to finish up their education from somewhere else at, at the school that I was in. I see. So if you if you think that in every subject you can be awarded from an A to a, a, a B, C, D, E, F, and G, and a U, I think was a fail. Well, for every subject that I wanted to study at A level, which was progression from GCSE, I needed an A. Oh, wow. And, and I only got one A in my GCSEs out of, out of 10. <laughs> no, so, I, I mean, I did well in my GCSEs, when you take the average, I got an A, three Bs, four Cs, a D, and an E, I think, but <laughs> but uh, but not not the three A's that I needed in the subjects that I wanted to study. Huh. It's interesting to know. So, do you, are you happier now that kind of you've been led down this this road? Much much happier. Excellent. Excellent. In fact, one of the subjects that I wanted to study at A level was art, and I think that had I been in school studying art, I I wouldn't have got the experience, um, the design experience that I had on my college course, which was, which was much more focused around if you don't do it, it's on your head. Whereas in school at the time, at that age, it would have been, you have to do it because we're telling you to kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm, I, I kind of want to change gears a little bit. And I, I'm really curious as to how David started thinking about sharing his, his like design progress and inspiration and, um, his work online to the point where it's really like you said, if you didn't have your blog, we wouldn't be talking to you today, but I think you're uh -huh. a pretty well-known designer online. Um, and it's one of these things that obviously couldn't happen 10 or 20 years ago, but you've managed to use this format so well to put your message out there and to put your work out there. When did you decide to start down that road or was it kind of a happy accident? I think it was a bit of, it was a bit of an accident really because when I, when I first started my blog, it was it was about three years ago now, mm -hmm. and I had a static website. I had a, had my portfolio, which was just five five or so static pages, and it was it was pretty amateur looking. Mm -hmm. And and what I thought was, well, someone someone had told me about a blog, and it was a way of keeping your website up to date and helping with um, search engine rankings. So, so so I started on WordPress.com, which is the WordPress hosted blog. And I, uh, I copied a few articles from other websites and just pasted them directly onto my site <laughs> thinking, oh, no one's ever going to know. <laughs> but, but, you know, people found out and I had to apologize and take them down straight away. You know, that's, that's, that's not the way to go. But from there, I found out that it was a mistake to use the WordPress .com hosted website because they kind of own everything that you have. You know, if something must happen to their servers or whatever, but well, not that it would because of the size of them. Well, you never know, but I eventually went on to wordpress.org, you know, where you download your own and, right. and uh, so 
just took it from there and, and people started commenting you know whenever i think it was when i first got that that comment area you know people coming and yeah. leaving yeah. their thoughts and chatting so how did people find out about it was this something were you self-promoting not only your work but then your blog after a while or was this something that just people showed up and you have no idea where they came from i think the best thing for me at the start was commenting on other people's blogs okay, okay. and you know getting to know people and and then um you know, eventually coming back to my site and seeing what I was about. So if there's anyone out there thinking of starting a blog, the, probably the biggest tip to to get your own to get your own community built up would be to get out there and comment on other people's blogs. But but don't just leave comments like great posts, you know, you know the ones. Yeah. Great posts or uh, first. Yeah, first <laughs> in the ass. <laughs> Okay, so again, it's this public discourse. That's that's very interesting. Um, shifting gears ag again a little bit, you said that when you when you started freelancing, you had a retainer client, and and at that point, that wasn't. I, I doubt that that you know working three days a week, that probably wasn't paying fully the bill the bills. So you had a f few weeks in there where I'm assuming things were were pretty tough and a little frightening. How did you go about finding these new clients and and you know that those really those beginning stages and. Um, were you were you nervous or worried, and how did you kind of combat that those fears while you built up some a client base? Well, I, I was nervous, and and yes, so I was worried because, like you say, those three days a week that I was working, it didn't it didn't bring in an awful lot of money. So, the first few projects I took on, they were they were bad, they were bad in that I didn't know how to deal with clients, and I didn't value my work highly enough. Although looking back. Maybe I didn't deserve to value my work that high, <laughs> but uh, the, I was I was actually just writing in my in my book recently about um about one of my first client relationships and and how it went wrong, and mainly it was because I thought that by showing my client all the work that I'd done, then they'd be more likely to choose an option that suited them best, but. <laughs> In the end, it turned out that I overwhelmed them. Uh, you know, if you, you can you can show your client too much, and yeah. you can kind of freeze them into not being able to make a decision. Mm. And that's, that's exactly what happened. Interesting. What, I'm actually really interested interesting. to know how how you've kind of um, synthesized or you know uh, uh, decided on how much you show and how much you you hide of your process, especially because you're sharing your process later online publicly, but. What what have you found to be the best way to deliver uh, a logo, let's say, to a client, and maybe in a way for them to pick the best one, especially maybe the one you want them to pick? Having them pick the one that I want them to pick is um, it's it's not going to happen really, <laughs> uh, because well, I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, well, it, it can happen, but what I show the client is maybe two or three or for examples that I think work. Yeah. So I'd be happy I'd be happy for them to choose any of them. There could be one that I'm more happy with, but uh, do you tell them that? Yeah, I will, absolutely. Uh um yeah, I'll, I'll tell them why, I'll tell them what they could do with it. I'll 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 maybe show them a couple of sketches. In fact, sometimes I might even just send them a few sketches, but I'll be sure not to show any sketches that I wouldn't carry forward into you know, a later stage. Is that a mistake? 
is that something you'd done previously, like maybe a mistake you'd made where you'd sent a drawing that you weren't, you maybe wouldn't be proud of to follow through with, and that's something they picked? Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and, go, and going back going back to the example where I said you know, my, my client was frozen, yeah. pretty much, that's one thing I asked them was, how about we do this? How about I post some sketches on my blog and then I get my readers involved and then, you know, you can hear what they're thinking. And that was, that was one of the first, but it's still on my blog. I think if, if someone was to go onto mm -hmm. my website and search for um, circle, circle sketches or something like that. Okay. And, and um, a lot of the sketches were, were crap and <laughs> a lot of the feedback was crap. Um, but there was, there was some great feedback. Um, but you can't be sure that your client's going to pick and choose the best out of, you know, if a client doesn't know about design, you can't expect them to, to judge from a lot of crap work. And so in a way, you're almost crowdsourcing that project. Not technically by definition. But still having like this democratic view of ideas coming in on the internet, that's probably just a mess. <laughs> it was, it was a mess. And I, I was, uh, I never got paid my, my 50%, uh, you know, the, the final 50% payment. Um, uh. I was just glad to get rid of that one, actually. <laughs> Do you think that, in, so you think in some ways the best way to learn is to make all these mistakes? Because these are things that we've heard from professors and, and professionals in the industry. Don't do this, don't do that. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's something that we almost have to go through anyways when we're, we're always going to find a client where that situation just kind of pops up on us. Mm -hmm. Say, yeah, you learn the fastest from your own mistakes. People <laughs> can tell you, don't do this, like you say, hey, but until you until you find yeah. out for yourself, yeah. you're never going to truly know. Yeah. And so when you were working with these clients again, when you started, when you started, what were you doing to self promote yourself? And were you, um, was it mostly clients nearby? Were you were you basically focused on focusing on businesses very close to you and going out and talking to them, or was it was it something online? Was were there now we have websites like freelance which and things like that were you able to utilize anything like that back at the time that you started and what was the most successful for you in building up a, a client base that kind of i don't know if they more respected or understood design but but were looking to actually pay pay the prices of good design well i think it's always going to be a struggle finding finding clients who are willing to pay the prices of good design and um, it's that's not that that I don't get well paid. Uh, I do, but that's also you know, I could get paid more. It depends on how you how you value your work, and I think that being able to value your work effectively only comes with experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm still I'm still learning. You know, one of my one of my biggest clients told me that I wasn't charging enough, <laughs> and, and they told me this halfway through the project. Yeah. Uh, so. So there was a there was a blog post I made just uh, yesterday I think where I focus on reader comments mm -hmm. and w one of the comments I highlighted was where was where our friend Douglas he he pointed out that some of the biggest companies when they have a a marketing and design budget and if they don't spend that one year then they're going to be you know, restricted the year after okay so mm. so I, that got me thinking, well, maybe that's what happened with me. Maybe, maybe the project that I was working on, you know, it's still one of my biggest gigs, but it, we didn't finish the project. And I'm wondering if that had anything to do with how I wasn't charging enough. So that, that's something I'd never quite thought about, but the fact that you 
you because you charged a little, it actually could hurt your business. One would assume yeah. uh, lower prices would mean more clients, but perhaps that's not necessarily always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm uh, well. Um, also, if you um, if you charge more, if you charge what you're worth, and that's a high amount, mm-hmm. people are going to think that well, you're worth it. You, you wouldn't be charging that if if people weren't paying it. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, otherwise you wouldn't be in business. Yeah, sure. No, I guess true. I guess you kind of make your own price, and the market decides if it's, that's true. It shows confidence. Yeah. Well, um, I'm really interested to know how you know if you look at your blog and you look at your portfolio, it seems like your focus has been logo design. And how have you kind of made that your focus, or have you kind of found your way in that's what clients need? Um, and is that your passion as well? That that is what I'm what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about a lot of things, but when it comes to work, what I enjoy most is designing identities. Mm-hmm. It's um, well, there's always going to be a need for that because whether a company, you know, at the start when I when I started in self-employment, I focused on print print design yep. because that's what my background was in from. Uh, from when I was working for the the cancer organization, and what I found was that it's it's very more it's it's a lot more of a niche market, although well although it's not in the broader scheme of things it is when you compare it to identity design because even for you know for a company that's solely online it's still going to need you know a logo. Good point. Yeah. Whereas it's not going to need any print. So. It, it broadened my horizons, I think, even though, even though it's it's narrowed my focus. Um, and what are some of the ways you brainstorm when you get when you get a new client? They need a new identity. What are the, some of the first things you do um, when you're trying to figure out what this might need to look like and what it might need to say? Oh, well, that that would come from questioning the client and doing my research and to into what they want to achieve, into their competitors, into what they've done in the past and what their competitors are doing. You know, if, if you're going to be successful in an identity project, then your client needs to be making a profit off what you've been doing. You know, so, so if your client is going to win, someone has to lose, which means that that if you don't study their competitors, you don't know what weaknesses to pick up on. Interesting. We're gonna we're gonna shift into some user questions right now too, because um, Matt already kind of touched on one. Uh, one of them was from Nerdski, and it's it's why identity design. And Matt kind of already asked you that, but um, just to further that question up a little bit, was it something that you you focused on, or was it something that kind of you fell into? Would you say? I think it was something something I focused on because once you've done it, you can move on to another project. Whereas if you compare it to a website, for instance, mm-hmm. you could be maintaining that website for the duration of the client's business. And in that respect, then what I like about identity design is you deal with so many different clients in so many different industries and you're always learning something new about yeah. about how products are made, services are carried out. So, so that, that that's why it keeps me interested. It's almost like an educational venture for free. You get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Of course, the flip side of that, though, is that once you deliver your logo, you're putting it in the hands of someone else to do with it what they will, or the whole identity system. What are some steps you might take to make sure that it stays intact? Uh, how do you build your identity guides? And like, is it kind of tough sometimes to let go of a logo and let other graphic designers do it with, they, with uh, what they will with it? In order to in order to help a client use it as I'd want them to, then that goes back to the the presentation stage of the of the project and. If you put things in context for the client, it's going to help them a great deal because you, know, you can you can use Photoshop and, and make mock-ups of you know vehicle wraps or yeah. business cards, what have you. Yep. You know, and a lot of designers do that. Um, it's not like it's it's fake. It's just helping the client see what they can achieve with the new the new identity. Uh, and and things thing, things like that stop them from using it in a way that you don't want them to. Although it doesn't always work. Yeah. Do you, do you still deliver visual identity guides or do you feel that clients see those as outdated now and kind of want their own freedom? I, I do, but not very often. I think rather than the fact that you might say that's outdated, it has less to do with that and more to do with the uh, the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. It, it, it tends to be most of the people I work with are in small companies, small to mid-sized organizations where they don't need style guides because it might be the only one or the one of two who actually implements the design into the you know, marketing material or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something you do have to deal with though when you, do you have bigger clients where this is an issue? Um, how do you deal with it when it's not just a small group of designers? Well, style guides do the job. Um, you know, there could be 10 pages in size, there could be 50 pages in size, but they don't need to be big. They just need to show what not to do and what to do. And, <laughs> you know, areas around the logo and what, what have you. <laughs> yeah. um, don't change the color. Don't put it close to the edge of the page. You know, leave a margin, things like that. Um, I think actually this would be a good time for another nerdsky question. He wanted to ask, when is a custom typeface necessary or is it? Well, that depends entirely on the the client and, and the project. So, in that respect, it's not necessary. When is it necessary? When you get a specific request from someone saying, "I want to use this," it's not necessary. A custom typeface is not necessary if you're having a, an identity design with with a mark. Mm-hmm. a mark and a symbol if if you're designing a logo type that's a different thing because a logo type needs its own right unique treatment so if you're designing a logo type you can't just use a typeface that anyone can because yeah. you know someone else could do it and it'll be exactly the same yeah very good point and we have let's see i have one more um this one's from alan he wants to know have you ever been surprised by a client finding their own symbolism uh, that you hadn't even thought of or noticed in a mark? I'm sure I have. Uh, I learn a lot from my clients the whole way through the project. You know, um, they're, they're teaching me as much as, well, they're teaching me more than what I can teach them. <laughs> I, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people will, will tell you that designers must educate the client, but what, what I believe, and I can't remember who, who first coined this, but um, before 
before you can teach the clients, you need to educate yourself in the ways of the clients. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, how can you expect them to take you seriously if you don't know if you don't know what they need? If you don't know their business, you're never going to know it as well as them. But if you don't know what their language is, what they're talking about, mm. then they're going to be a lot less receptive mm. to your language and what you're trying to tell them. That's a very good point. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, very they know who they're selling to. So very if you, point. you know, your, your job is essentially to communicate to the people that they're selling to. If you can't do that, can't imagine yeah. you're going to come up with something successful. Yeah. And in the end of this business venture, they are still the client. Mm -hmm. Excellent advice. Um, let's see. I have one other question, and then we and then we're going to shift and talk about your book a little bit. Um, do you have any advice that you would give to well designers of any age who? are wanting to shift fully to freelance and are kind of in those beginning stages? I would say don't call yourself a freelancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because anything with the word free in it isn't good for business. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever found that, like, a, you know, people who are working in a design firm or maybe an in-house, the term freelance is kind of derogatory? Some people have said that, and I've, I've written a, I've written about that on my website in the past. Uh, it it brought a lot of comments actually if um if if someone was to search on my website the, for um freelance designers and suckers mm -hmm. then they'll come up with the the blog post uh what i tend to do is refer to myself as a well a graphic designer first because that's what i do mm -hmm. but also a consultant because people come to me for for my ideas so uh I don't know if that answered the question or not, but no, it's definitely definitely a great tip. Yeah, I think it's, it's I would say it's on the, you know, up there when it comes to starting to work for yourself. Something good to know. And it's a, I mean, it's an interesting thing that I think maybe graphic designers don't think about as much, but she seems obvious is the way you present yourself to the Absolutely. world and the language you choose. I mean, if if graphic design is anything, it's a picking language and maybe more visual language, but still language to deliver a message and if you can't do that for yourself yeah it's about ideas and presentation mm -hmm. yeah. very good um okay matt do you have any other questions actually i kind of want to know about this book now um i i don't know a ton about it so david could you tell us a little bit about what this book project you're working on is i can yeah um uh, it was out of the blue uh, about, it was last christmas so december 08 i received a, an email from a woman called Nikki, and she is the senior acquisitions editor at Peach Pit Press. Mm -hmm. They're they're based they're based in the states. So it's part of the Pearson Media Group, and she asked if if I'd be interested in writing their their first book about logo design, okay. and and um, it took about well, obviously I was I said yes because um, you know, it's a good opportunity, yeah. and well, you wouldn't ask me about it otherwise. And it took about three months or so before we ironed out the details. So she she told me that, well, from the outset, I knew that the book would need to be published in 2009. And because it wasn't until, it wasn't until about April or May of this year that I actually signed a contract. And it, it scared me a bit because when you hear about people writing books, you hear them talking about, you know, spending years on it. Yeah, and and here's me. I've I've got half a year to do to do, <laughs> and, I, and it's my first one. So, so it it scared me a bit, and 
and um, things have got better though. The, well, the title of the book is is Logo Design Love, and the tagline is a guide to creating iconic brand identities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a bit wary about putting iconic in there at the start because who am I really to be telling others how to design iconic identities? But my my editor and my copy editor they like they um, they confirmed that it was they, they told me it was fine. They wanted me to keep that. No, and and they they told me about one of the um, one of the instructors for Olympic gold medalists. Uh, I can't remember the name off my head, but but this man has has taught about three or four different athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trained trained them to be Olympic gold medalists. He's never won one himself, but he's put them there. So okay. what what I'm trying to do with this book is hopefully get other people at the same, you know, to do the same, not win gold medals, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, design effective, iconic logos. I'm wondering what, um, when you were approaching out, a book about logos, the book what did you think you had to say it? that hadn't been said before? Are like, people are obviously there are a ton of books about logo design blog, and, or logo just design. galleries mm-hmm. of logos and stuff like that. What's unique about your take on it? Well, my experience yeah. <laughs> from, <laughs> From publishing my own projects. Oh, perfect! Yeah, my very nice. my logo projects get published on my blog, and I always show the process and tell a little bit about client discussions and what they thought. And they're always the most popular posts on my blog. So mm-hmm. I figure that if, if people are that interested in the process, it's like like you say, there are far too many gallery books out there, logo galleries, where yeah. you just you look through and it doesn't tell you anything about it. Yeah. It doesn't tell you how to get from the very start to the very end. And what I'm going to focus on in my book, I'm going to take it step by step through asking questions of your client, what questions to ask, why why you're asking those questions, uh, taking it from there through brainstorming, why I use mind maps, how that helps, how I translate those into sketches, uh, how I take the sketches into digitized form, mm. which ones I present to my client, which ones I don't. Uh, and I use a lot of case studies. Not It's not really about my designs per se. It's more about the process that, right. that I do and that a lot of other designers will do, but you just don't find out about that from other books. Yeah. It is something that's very lacking. Yeah, and it is important to see, just to see any process of, a, of a good logo design or i mean a good any design really just to see how you get from point a to point b to point c that's the way to learn and so on it's process well it sounds great and so what's the do you have a is there a date specifically where you think it'll be it'll start to come out do you have anything in mind well the the deadline for for me completing i'm designing the book as well as writing it which makes it which makes it an even bigger job (laughs) yeah Uh, and the, the deadline for that for me, submitting all the completed artwork is October twenty third. So we've only got a month left. And wow. you almost done? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, we haven't we haven't finalised a single chapter yet. Okay. <laughs> not, no, that that sounds scary, uh, but it's it's not as scary as it sounds because the um, the copy editor that I'm working with, she's she's been giving me some amazing suggestions you know uh when i when i submitted my first chapter well at, 
I'm working on chapter six at the minute, but it's a process of back and forth between the editor where I send a file, she sends it back with suggestions, I send it back, she sends it back, and it goes on like that. Um, well, it's ho I'm hoping that it's going to be on shelves before Christmas. That's that's um, when it's going to be out. That's why Peach Pit told me in the beginning that they have a a gap in their 2009 um, catalog for a book about logo design. So they they want it to be out this year and ideally before Christmas. You know where when people are hopefully spending a bit more money. I'll yeah. pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a copy. <laughs> well. Um... Good luck. Keep us in the loop, and you know we'll have to have you on again after it's done, so we can just have kind of an entire episode about what it's like to not only write but write and design the book that you're writing for. Yeah, that'll be a pleasure. All right, I'm looking All forward right. to it. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on. No, you're welcome, and I hope. Uh, well, thanks, thanks to you guys, and thanks to your listeners, who hopefully one or two of them have made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are really excited to have a, a season two. So, well, uh, good luck with the the rest of the season, and I'll be I'll be eagerly awaiting your uh, your next interviewee. So, thanks, thanks very much again. Well, that was a great episode, Matt. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. I missed recording shows and talking about design. Me too. Um, Let's let's ask a question. We haven't asked a question in a while, and uh, well, because we haven't been on the air in a while. It's true too. On the internet. Um, let's ask what uh, what has everybody been thinking about in terms of, of design and graphic design? Like, what's in your mind? What's been bugging you? Um, Anything you want, uh, just something that concerns you. Do you hate you? that IKEA switched to Redona? You, you know, oh, that's a good topic. <laughs> what's right that? Now, actually, <laughs> I would like to hear about that. Do you hate that? I'm I wonder how I, I feel hate about that. that. I hate that. So I much. don't like it either. I, I like Verdana for what it is, but I hate it so much that IKEA is using it. It's so like it's so like using Arial as Helvetica and thinking it's the same thing. Like it's part of that. Well, and they were intended as, as screen typefaces. Yeah, it's yeah, it is a screen typeface. And granted that it, they're expanding it, and Georgia and Verdana are going to get new weights and better kerning, and ooh, that's ooh, great. Are they? Georgia's but, getting new, more weights. Oh, that's going to be yeah. wonderful. I can't wait. Oh, you're behind, we'll have to man. talk you're about behind. this on a new show. So, what are you guys thinking? You know what we're thinking about right now. What are you thinking? You can email us at readbetweenthelettings at gmail.com. You can Twitter us at rbtl show, and you can call us, and uh, we have a new number, 209-690-RBTL. And no one's called us. It's easy to remember, right? It's really easy to remember. And what can they do? They can call us, leave us voicemails, and... Uh, I guess they can text messages. Yes, they can send us text messages, which is I find really neat. So please do something. I find that... Really? I think that's pointless. I don't think it's pointless. Because we have an email address <laughs> if you're already If you're thinking no, about okay. us on the go... Okay, send us a text message. <laughs> send us something. You're right, We'd Aaron, love to hear awesome. from you. <laughs> um, as always, rbtl.us is where you can find us, or on iTunes. And once again, I'm Aaron. And I'm Matt. We'll talk to you soon.